1: And this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So, Speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. All right. First with us today, we got J-Bone.
2: Hey, everybody. How's it going?
1: And also with us today, we got Dan. Hello there. Welcome to the show, fellas. Word. Glad to be back. You want to kick us off, Dan? What you got to drink?
3: I reckon I'm sticking with my Founders
1: because
3: I love them. They are my favorite. No, uh yeah, Founders, good old Michigan beer from Grand Rapids and I have their Porter. Dark, rich and sexy. Has a good Victorian looking lady dressed in black on the label and I always pick my stuff by the label. She's a Southern Belle.
1: I like that for the name of their Porter, you know, founders, because all the names are so crazy Yeah. in, in the, the the craft industry and shit that they just said, you know, what, we're going to call it Porter.
3: Yeah, normal no shit, fucking yeah. rum. but it does. It tastes dark, rich and sexy.
1: Well, and they don't have to because that's just a straight up Porter because they have every different flavor or breakfast mm. or, a, you know, any other individualized. So,
3: yeah, and founders has a lot of uh, high alcohol content beer th- that I like. They got like eleven percent, twelve percent, and stuff. This is only a little uh six point five, so it's kind of light for a dark beer, but it's real good.
1: All right, uh,
2: J Bone. Okay, I've seen the light because I once was lost, but I too am founders now. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with the dirty bastard. It's uh like Dan mentioned. It's another one of the uh. Soaked and aged in um, bourbon barrels, that darker, rich flavor. Another one of their bastard lines. Yep. And um, <clears throat> there's no bones about it. We just like some swag, some ink pens, some, some can openers, some t-shirts. Founders, we're
1: here for you, bud. A koozie. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> a koozie. Like a, a cheap little trinket, you know, a, a who's it, a what's it.
2: A coaster. I'll pay 20 bucks the six pack. <laughs> just give me some Founders coasters to put the beer on, please.
1: Well, I got a uh, a Traverse City whiskey company. I got their uh, American Cherry. We had it on the show before, but a lot of people don't know. Michigan Traverse City is like the Nash, the cherry capital of the world, and uh, Traverse City whiskey company. They do they're doing great shit. Word. It's good whiskey gen- in general, but try the American Cherry and uh, you'll dig it, man.
2: Yep, the cherry Keep capital of the fucking world, man. Even uh, yeah, national like Sam Adams, their cherry wheat they use Michigan Traverse City che- tart cherries.
1: Well. Before we get started, got to make sure we take the time to thank Sixfo Swaino for letting us use his music in the intro. I thank Cancer for letting us use his music in the mid roll. Uh, you can follow them both on Instagram. It's Six Sueno, it's F O E. And then Cancer is Cancer the God. The E is a three. If you're having a hard time finding it, you can go to our website and you can click the links through there. You can follow us at Bad Guy Podcast on both Instagram and TikTok, and the Bad Guy Pod on Twitter, and then Bad Guy Podcast Facebook too. So we'll go ahead and get started, and the bad guy we're covering today is Paolo Antonio Veccarelli.
0: This ain't negotiation time, this is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm, say hello to my little friend.
3: Ooh, smooth name.
2: I think he uh, needed yeah. one more name to make that complete.
3: I'm definitely going to need this on the screen to read it, because I already forgot it.
2: Well, t- <laughs> it's a two-pager, so it was a whole his lot, name takes up two screens.
3: It was a whole lot of speaking in cursive. And look at the nickname. Paolo, and Way Paolo shorter Vaccarelli. Paul Kelly. Yeah, they really uh, shortened that one up. You know what? That's good. They took the first and last syllables and just said that. Let's skip the O Antonio Vaca part. That's cool. At first he sounds very Italian. Then he sounds Australian.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it's Paolo Antonio Vaccarelli, a.k.a. Paul Kelly.
3: I wonder if yeah. that's just because his accent was so strong and they asked him his name. They're like, Paul Kelly? All right.
1: Oh, we'll get we'll get there. You'll never get, <laughs> like, it's the craziest shit you've never heard of.
3: Of <laughs> how he got the name Paul Kelly. Yeah. Nice. And not because his name was Paolo Vaccarelli.
1: No. All <laughs> right.
3: First <laughs> you had my attention. Now you have my attention.
1: It's Unbelievable. So he was born in New York on December 23rd, 1876 to immigrant parents on the Lower East Side.
3: It must I've, have been the Upper East Side that the Jeffersons were always trying to move on up to.
1: Definitely. Because it's not, not the, the Lower spot. East Side. They,
2: these people just landed and they're trying to get out of here.
1: Moving on up every, to the Better East Side. Every terrible story we tell starts, starts <laughs> here. This mm-hmm. fucking picture. And shit. This is ground zero for hoodlumish. As a kid, he worked different jobs, never settling into anything. And eventually, he began boxing, which he excelled at, becoming a top band of weight prospect.
3: Well, you know, you got to try on a lot of hats till you figure out which one fits right, you know. You start trying to be a newsboy, you land in boxing. You know, it's every man's journey.
1: Well, they said the boxing thing was weird because he was a smart kid. He was like, he was into the finer things. He was smart, liked to read. But he was a good boxer. Now, what years is this? He was born in
3: 1876. So this when he like
1: gets in. It's come,
3: Yeah, not even. Because just the picture you're showing us is very. It looks like a renaissance festival. Well, a we got Boss him.
2: Tweed here. Yeah. Like he just so left I'm Tammany just kidding, Hall. To,
3: so this is the old school boxing where it's like, yeah, we just sort of throw up some rope. And uh, you guys don't even put on shorts. Keep your pants on. Just when you guys take off your shirts and start punching each other.
2: Gloves. That's on like.
3: So this is back when they still like put up their dukes. Yeah,
2: I like their bare knuckle boxing.
1: Oh, and I gotta, I gotta say this. So, he was born on December twenty third, eighteen seventy six. It's unclear, depending on your source, whether it snowed that Christmas. <laughs> whether he uh, was born, his parents were both immigrants, so it's unclear <laughs> whether he what... was born or not. It was cl- unclear whether he was born in Italy and uh, moved here as a toddler. Or if he was born in New York.
2: They didn't have but, accurate
1: birth certificates? No. But well, I mean, if he was you're still, in New York, New if York you're still shitting yourself, okay, you're from here. Right. I'm just saying, because some people say, oh, he was born in Italy and then came over here as a baby. And some people say, no, he was born in America. And I think, well, either way, yeah. he's pretty American. Yeah. Like, he doesn't remember the old country. He if they
2: landed I- here or they were on the way here, you yeah. know what I mean? You were born here.
3: If he learned how to wipe his ass in America, he's, American he's in more. America. That's our rule. That's our rule. That's, so when you become American, when you can wipe your own ass. That's why the movie Big Daddy is so heartwarming.
1: So we got a lot of international listeners like Malta's real big. So with all our fans of Malta, if you want to know what America's like, that's what it is. If, you, when, if
3: if you already know how to wipe your ass, I'm sorry. You're never gonna be a true American.
2: <laughs> you yeah. leave home a Vassarelli, you get here and become Paul
3: Kelly. Thank you. Just Paul yes. Kelly. <laughs>
1: And also, some people say he was Sicilian, mm-hmm. some people say he was from southern Italy. A
3: lot
2: of you
1: people
3: know? are splitting hairs for no fucking reason
2: yeah. right well, now. They take it over there, we don't. They take it big over there. I, to me, the Vassarelli, the, the name kind of sounds uh Sicilian.
1: It's just tough, because I look it up and you get two different things. So, there, I told all of the story. That's all of the versions wrapped into one. Pick yours. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure, but either way, we're now boxing. And he's a weight, which is 115 to 118. He he's he, a little guy. He said he's about 5'2". Oh, yeah, he is a itty-bitty. Guy. Little Wolverine.
3: Hell yeah, yeah boy. Paul <laughs> Kelly, coming over here from Sicily or Italy, learn to wipe his ass, becoming true American.
1: In the early 1890s, he changed his name to Paul Kelly as the Irish got the best bookings in boxing, and they were the political powerhouses at the time.
3: Oh, well, that's very believable. I we'll know. It's how it's, it happens
1: every single it's... time. He's like the fourth Sicilian we've covered that fucking changed mm-hmm. his name to an Irish name because he wanted to box.
3: Ripley sent this one out. We
1: <laughs> we believe it. Okay. But had you ever heard of that? Ever? Yeah. Until I know. He started doing this podcast, and now all of a sudden it turns half these Sicilian gangsters just changed their name to some different shit because they wanted to mm-hmm. make more money boxing. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, this has been a reoccurring thing, which I still find it out. Like, there's not many situations where, like, you know what? I'd rather be Irish.
1: Well, and they all the politicians were Irish, so they were yeah. getting the big books. Big bookings. The police, the yeah, uh, like on. the
2: city government, yeah. the lower level government. So he was like, "Fuck
1: it, I'm Paul Kelly. I'm Paul Kelly. I'm fucking Gene. I'm Jack McGurn. I'm fucking uh." uh a michael it? duffy i'm yeah, fucking
3: yeah. everlast bro yeah. who was the other boxer there's a very specific boxer who did the same thing before. jack McGurn. was it jack McGurn?
1: yeah oh, his, right. his name was vincenzo gibaldi yeah, yeah yeah, all right and he changed it to jack McGurn because he was battling jack McGurn, the yeah. irish boxer he showed, and he was a silly looking motherfucker too yeah <laughs> hey whatever it's all in the name yeah so was paul kelly too
3: well it's easier to say it just works out you get to drop a whole name
1: in 1897, the Bridgeport Herald newspaper described him as one of the fastest and cleanest little boxers in the business.
3: They had to give him a compliment. They demean it by, like, little boxer.
1: <laughs> he's really good for a little boxer.
3: Man, I'll tell you, he's the most technically skilled, whoop-ass little guy I've ever seen. Little fast bastard.
1: It's a backhanded compliment. Comes at you like a spider monkey. So his boxing career was... Uh, his boxing career was successful, but short-lived. Paul Kelly decided to take his considerable winnings, and he used them to open numerous clubs, brothels, and gambling dens.
3: Hell yeah! American, boy!
1: <laughs> if that's, yeah, if he's that's not red, American... That's right red,
3: blue right there. It's the Holy Trinity. Red, white, and blue brothels casinos and what was the other one gambling then. hell yeah it was
2: man broads cards drinking like he's living that of that time period That's that American is the dream. yeah
3: started off as a little italian immigrant grow up to be a rich business irishman <laughs> and and but we're Joe, but that is a smooth move take all your winnings be like all right dude i'm out start me a business hmm. he did what all these sports athletes are just now catching on to he's like no i'm gonna Get my money, start a business, and be out.
1: Well, I still got my shit together? I'm not yep. trying to sit here and box people on the street for the rest of my fucking life? I'm not trying to get a CTE. Paul Kelly began putting together a gang to help him run his numerous operations. And he ran his gang different than most at the time. You know, because this is the early 1900s. You know, late 1800s. Like 1899, 1900, shit like that. And uh, he believed in organization and planning over brute force. He thought it was more profitable to con- yourself as a gentleman instead of as a thug and he was a early proponent of working with other ethnicities
3: i love how like he is straight trying to be a businessman but because of the nature of how shit's going it has to be a gang not a boardroom just the nature of how businesses ran
1: i want to compete down here so yeah. it has to be a gang
3: instead of being like a businessman that's tough and strong arms people you have to be a gangster that chooses a little less violent
1: means and like he didn't swear so he he tried to say he's like look don't swear we have to treat each other with respect you're gonna yell at each other like this is business he started an hr uh,
3: department
2: it sounds very like uh lansky and luciano-esque as far as uh hey you don't have to exactly be born from my town to be a part of not our thing but like our little thing of our thing so i like that
3: well he can't be like an ethnicity purist when he was uh white face and being irish this whole time yeah it's hard to be like no sicilian or nothing like dude
1: aren't you paul kelly now well and then the other gangs at the time though they were doing like gangs in new york they yeah, were like fight. they were like axe fighting in the street and shit so he was like, well, look, let's just look hang out suit. in the
3: store. Let's just."
1: And he'd wear like tailored suits and like silk socks and shit. And he's like, look, we just dress sharp and run these businesses.
3: Who's who's in this game? Like, I don't know. I'd rather be out there trying to get stabbed dressed like shit.
1: <laughs> so he taught this version of criminal lifestyle to his top lieutenants who modeled their style after him. He also realized that the easiest way to protect his business and support expansion was to get in with local politicians. So he laid out this big plan, and then he leaned on his top lieutenant, who was the former boss of the James Street gang, Johnny Torrio.
3: Oh, there it is.
2: Oh, so Johnny T was just one of this guy's lieutenants when he started. Like, he's a kid here. I'm sure Johnny yeah. T's like 20 years old or something. Like, he's a yeah. youngster here.
1: Right. But, yeah, that's sweet. He basically, he came up with the plan. He he set it all up, and he had the whole gang put together. And Torrio was like, he was his lieutenant, and he kind of became his right-hand man.
2: And it makes sense though, because it went are
1: literally fist fighting in the street. What are we doing?
2: We could clean up all the pieces from that. And like that's how Torio ran like later on with Jim and them. Like he was that kind of guy. Like they use violence to their advantage, but the I like those ones that go above like think a little bit, you know. Yeah. I know what the podcast is. I know we all want to see the train wreck, but I there is something to say for that entrepreneurial like uh
3: Well, that's what I'm saying is because of the nature of the game, we're looking at this like uh Luciano like a gang member that's going straight when really if it wasn't for his circumstances of just where he was born he would be a shit, regular good business he is man. just a businessman who because of the nature of the game has a gang and because let's be honest he's not doing straightforward business it's brothels gambling dens and shit so i mean he is doing illegal like hoodlum ass shit but he is he seems to be just a straight businessman He's going more the political route,
1: greasing wheels instead of out in the street. In the early 1900s, he began offering the services of his gang at a cost to the politicians at Tammany Hall. And Tammany Hall was the notoriously corrupt political system in New York through most of the late 1800s and early 1900s. The center of a lot of shit that went down in New York. So they got their first big gig on September 17th, 1901, when an estimated 1,500 Gangsters took to the streets to help ensure that Tom Foley won the primary over incumbent Patty Diver, who was running on a reformist platform to eliminate the light red light district in the Fourth Ward. So they were like, "No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope." Uh, so we they have
3: a different proposal for you.
1: So no. they went in the street and they would like, they would just beat their voters up in the street and like, if they tried to get in line, they would just chase them away and shit and fucking. Yeah. Uh, There's like one guy. That uh, was voting for the other side and said he voted fifty-three times. It's the same shit that like Capones gang did in Cicero. They just decide like, you know what? We got this. We'll we'll fix this election the old fashioned way. And due to their work, their guy Tom Foley ends up getting in and he's like, you know what?
3: Red-light Dude, light district hard
1: work. Yeah, red light district it is, man. Go ahead and do your thing. So eh, he ain't shutting that shit down. So with his new political connections, Paul Kelly soon dominated the vice across multiple wards Earning a monopoly over the five points, this led to the name of his gang, the Five Points Gang.
3: Word, we've heard <laughs> that name on the cast before. So in
1: 1903, he was arrested for assault and served nine months in prison. It's this weird thing where everybody's like, he beat the shit out of some guy like in a gang fight on the street, and everybody's like, well, that's not even what you do. Like that's not even your style. Why are you mm-hmm. doing that? He said he thought it was important that every once in a while, he's like, well, it is still a criminal enterprise. So, it's important that every once in a while I got to get out there and crack some heads or something just so everybody knows that, like, I'm not weak, I'm not once, I'm no
3: mark. Every once in a while, Tiger Kids out of the cage, you know what I mean? Hey, I mean, that's it, is what it is. It's like when Tony Soprano
2: in that episode after he gets shot has to beat up the uh, muscle guy, like, kid didn't do nothing wrong. He's just like, well, I got to show my crew that I'm still down to fucking,
3: yeah. I've made the wildlife comparison thing. When you're in this world, you have to be more animalistic, and that is a true animal instinct to show your alphaness every once in a while. Yeah, if you
2: don't show, if it goes away for 11 years, yeah. it makes you yeah. soft.
3: But also, who knows the thing? Like, he used to be a boxer and shit. He could have been out getting drunk. This guy was, like,
1: getting him mad and just... He's still scrapping. Yeah, he just beat a dude up. Well, so... Paul Kelly doing that, it worked for the like what the effect he was going for because he did nine months for it, and when he came out, he was like crap on fucking top. Yeah, everybody's Street like Dude, this motherfucker's the boss. Like he, yeah. you know, he he stepped out his suit down from the loft and cracked this motherfucker in the mouth. Like Paul Kelly's a goddamn dog. So they fucking loved him.
2: Like yeah. Tupac getting shot or something. Well, yeah, and- it made him more appealing. Like yeah, he's real man.
3: Motherfucker get locked up all the time. Well, and being like a real good ass boxer. He probably pieced him up real nice. So everyone was like, damn. (laughs) Like, it wasn't just he beat some dude up. Like, he probably pieced him up real good.
1: You got knocked the fuck out. Yeah. When he gets out, he opened the Paul Kelly Association Athletic Club, which he (laughs) ran, like, a gym and a boxing association out of, which he would use to recruit muscle for his gang.
3: (laughs) See, I, I was just thinking, too, like, cool he got got out of like all the horn and gambling i oh, fucking starting a gym positivity like yeah he's getting muscle <laughs> to fuck people up
1: you guys got some good boxers in here hey how would you like some real work the
2: paul kelly academy must have stayed because i seen it in the 70s it was called rocky where rocky's <laughs> training at this shitty gym and this mobster comes gets him to break thumbs for 20 bucks that this guy
3: owes him and
1: they hung cows <clears throat> in there He later opened the new Brighton Athletic Club, which was a two-story cafe with a dance hall. It was like a... I mean, I guess dancing's athletic. Well, athletic clubs are sometimes like country clubs. So I worked at the the DAC, the Detroit Athletic Club, and it has a gym and racquetball and stuff like that. But that's more for your businessmen to kind of go dick around and have drinks or whatever.
2: Hey, I play sports too. Like, no, you
1: don't, but it's more of a country club. So athletic club, a lot of times means like country club, but he used that as his base operations. And that's what it was. Like he had like a whole dance floor. So like all these like rich socialites and stuff would come and he'd entertain them. And, uh, he would wear fine tailor suits. Uh, he was into like fine art and classical music and he could speak French, Italian, and Spanish all fluently.
3: No. So he's just out there living the dream, smooth ass businessman. Greasing wheels, getting muscle, doing it all. I'm waiting for this shit to turn. Well, he's with Johnny T
2: and those guys, the Five Points Gang. This is real history. like It is real history. Well, technically, it, it it's is all is real history. history. Well, no, I mean, like, there's, there's known people here. Sometimes you tell a whole story, and they don't connect back to nobody. They're just a story, like, from the middle of Iowa, and they don't connect to nothing.
1: His educated sophistication drew people to him and led him to expand in his territory throughout Manhattan and in, into New Jersey. So he just had, like, little businesses popping up all over the place. And he was just this this popular guy. He's a good businessman. Now, his chief rival was a brutal street gangster named Monk Eastman. So Monk Eastman's gang had over 2,000 strong, and it was a throwback to the old Five Points gang of the 19th century. So they were into, like, axe fights in Bash, the street. Baseball <laughs> You know, that, like, that was their their jam. Like that's what they brought to the table. In, the, in the street shit.
2: Don't get into your modern gunplay shit. Let's hit each other with bats.
1: Dude, at one point, Monk Eastman, would he go to the war to go fight in? I don't. I think it was World War I. World war, <laughs> one of the wars. But he got out of prison to go to the war. When he did the physical, he was so scarred up and battered. And they were like, where did you see combat at? And he was like, "Uh, just a bunch of little battles around New York.
3: It's just a couple machete wounds. It's the old neighborhood. You know, New York. You know, kid stuff. Those are my horse and the round marks.
1: The two gangs would have numerous street fights and armed conflicts over the control of the neutral territories. The Bowery section was like this neutral territory, and the Five Points gang had like everything west of that, and the Monk Eastman gang had everything east of that, and they both worked for... Like...
3: Boy, he's not Monk Westman.
1: <laughs> that is true. He kind of had to. You know, you're <laughs> obligated to lock it down. But they both worked for Tammany Hall. But there was this neutral territory, and they just were both fighting over this neutral territory all the time. And uh, Paul Kelly was always like, well, we're trying to do this different shit. But, I mean, that's how he gets down. And if I want to beat him, at some point, we got to get down there in the streets with him. So he's like, well, fuck it. We'll do it. You know, we'll go fight him. And, you know, they had shootouts. They had this shootout that it was a 50-on-50 50 50 shootout. It was Johnny was like, big shootout. He was, like, still a kid. Like, it was the early 1900s. And they fought for, like, uh, fought for hours. They literally, uh, it was 50-on-50 50 50. The poli- New York police showed up and were like, you know what? Nah. <laughs> we, ain't, <laughs> we ain't getting in the middle of this fucking shit. They
3: turned the corner and they're like, kill the sirens! kill the sirens!" <laughs> okay. Well, that hey,
2: particular battle, up.
1: it was Keep if, it if I'm
2: right, was that not like a whole shit ton of shots, but not the pile of bodies wasn't that huge, correct?
1: Well, uh, three people got killed. Monk Eastman got shot in the stomach.
2: But that's what I mean, like for a two-hour <laughs>
1: fight.
2: So yeah. you guys shot 25,000 rounds and three people died.
1: Well, this was also That's the what I mean, days, not... Their
3: guns were the most. No, no, I'm, I'm giving all that right. into some consideration. Of, some of them were
1: throwing rocks yeah. and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: But also just so the people at home understand, like, a lot of times, like, you shoot, like, 10 feet away, your shit would, like, miss. Because just a real quick little gun fact, there's something called boring the barrel where barrels of guns have a certain spin to them gives it the rifling yeah so bullets spin when they come out which helps It's like a spiral on a football like it helps it travel way better old school guns a lot of them were just round balls and they didn't have that so so a lot of times yeah like shooting a bb gun you shoot right
2: there it's going to go off to the left so now you shoot you know what I mean? You put it to the right a little bit. I'm going to hit you right in
3: the head. Like. like they were still accurate. It ain't like there weren't no accurate guns or nothing, but they were a lot less accurate and a lot less, uh, powerful. Like the amount of black powder wasn't as dependable in each like shot. So a lot of times that's why you see these old school, uh, like movies and stuff. They hide behind a wooden crate and shit and bullets just aren't going through as dumb as it sounds, it's very believable. Cause... Some of those
1: old shitty guns. Yeah. Well you could you said earlier that the rifling made it like throwing a spiral. So it's like throwing it, like it's like comparing throwing a spiral to a knuckleball. Yeah. I mean if you throw a knuckleball, it's still gonna hit the catcher.
3: Yeah, it's still
1: gonna but get there. But, but it's but. still it's like shooting a shotgun or something. It's a little less accurate.
2: That beamer, that hundred and six mile an hour fastball that pops the yeah. glove almost breaks the catcher's hand, like
1: that's much different. So this is where the new Brighton Athletic Club was. And let's let's not forget the
3: Eastman crew, they're used to battling with axes and stuff. They're like, oh, a gunfight. What the hell? A couple of them accidentally threw their guns on accident, didn't know how they worked.
2: Andre the Giant is a young
1: man. That's Holy Monk shit. Eastman. Yeah, I've... Uh, Minus the Eastman.
3: He's he, fairly famous, because I've heard of him yeah. and seen pictures of him.
1: He was like the last of the guys trying to do, like, the gangs in New York style of fighting like yeah. he was the last the rumbles
2: guys. like let's go physically <clears throat>
1: just out there in the street. line up yeah and he basically had the people that weren't willing to translate that were like no we're not switching to putting on suits and that, that new modern here. shit no fuck that but johnny Torrio, at this time he was like his main go-to guy johnny Torrio was the kind of mastermind or not the mastermind but like the main dude that was at the the big gunfight and shit monkeysman got shot um at this time, Johnny Torrio, he was always him and he, you know, he was learning how to be more sophisticated and a businessman. But when they had to take to the streets, he was that leader too. Yeah. And shit. Like
3: they call him lieutenants in this thing, but he was more like a general.
1: Right. Like, Paul Kelly, in one of the uh, street fights, Paul Kelly broke the nose of Jack Schmitzke, who was one amongst chiefs enforcers. Enforce that. So this Jack Schmitsky guy, he gets word back and he says he wants to fight paul kelly in like a fair fight he's like let's box then. you know here,
3: now they're you know. just calling three o'clock after school behind the bleachers
2: no no hold on i'm gonna promote us let's do this at madison square garden and like you get a payday i get a payday
1: when well, paul kelly's like well fuck yeah i'll box you yeah i'm a,
2: do you <laughs> know what my old,
3: old day job used to be asshole well jack How Shims- you think i became paul <laughs> kelly
1: jack shimsky was six foot 230 so he's a big ass dude so he figured like yeah, I get it. you can fight, but he's a big guy and shit.
3: Also, this is like one of those old school UFC fights, heavyweight versus <laughs> a fucking David featherweight. Yeah. Yeah, so. I oh. don't think this is going to be sanctioned.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think the and Nevada State Athletic Commission is going to be in on this one. I'm mm-hmm. not going to
3: see. There goes Madison Square Gardens. No, but too no. b- too
2: bad it couldn't get bet on because I'm sure everybody would take Butterbean and they should have been betting on Little Gracie
1: here. Like
3: this is before Bruce Lee came and taught everybody. Yes.
1: Paul Kelly knocked Schmidt Shimsky out in the third round. That's where my money would have been. So eventually, these giant wars and nonstop fights caused added police attention and civic outrage. You know, there's a, like some of these gunfights, like like passerby's and just like civilians would get hurt because, like you said, these bullets are just going wherever. There's people get like shot through their window. And, and
2: shit. there's a they, they do them on streets that
3: are 12 feet wide. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like let's not have a shootout here.
2: There's a mean, kid watching. You just
1: know. once you
3: start having gunfights in the streets. Yeah, tends to gain attention. This is New York.
1: I mean, you can't have <laughs> the a most com- Even back then, in. the hey. most
2: compact place in the country. You know yeah. what? These these hour and a half long gunfights bringing a lot of unwanted attention.
3: Come on, it's really hurting the fruit cart industry. How are these guys going to sell the watermelons? Every time they get yeah. shot up. You guys are out here What's at 10 o'clock on? on a Tuesday and it sounds like the finale of 4th of July Fireworks. Maria's trying to sell these rugs. How's she going to do it when you keep on popping in holes every time? Now they're Afghans? Nobody wants fucking Afghans. You made Swiss cheese here. You take a nap in the middle of the day. You want a blanket. It's kind of nippy. You throw an Afghan, all those fucking holes. You're like, God damn it. Why isn't this a fleece th- throat pillow? <laughs> My nipples throat are throat coming throat throat through this blanket. God damn it. Nobody wants that shit. So yeah, stop it with the holes, guys.
1: Eventually, Tammany Hall. He step. They step in and they arrange a sit down between the two gangs and law enforcement. And hey, hey, you guys both work for us, okay? Yeah, <laughs> that's literally what happened.
3: Look, all three, all three entities here are corrupt. Okay, mm-hmm. can't we all just get along? I would say we'll just settle this. Each guy pick your own team. Each pick one, and you settle it. But that already happened. The side already won that.
1: Well, they decided to do it again.
3: <laughs> Say the, They went Thunderdome rules yeah. To men enter one man lead Let's all throw
2: in, we're gonna redraft You the get a
3: detective,
2: th- I get a muscle guy You get
3: a hitman Mo Gibson already beat Blaster It already happened
1: They agreed to a truce and they d- Handled the dispute of the neutral territories With a boxing match between the two gang leaders So Monk Eastman was like Well yeah you beat up my boy But you didn't beat me up so that doesn't count <laughs> And uh, the winner would be awarded the neutral territory.
2: And I'm sure the loser will honor this.
1: Well, I'm
3: imagining Tammany Hall is just filled with all those fat cats, like rich banker, monopoly types. So they're all sitting. There. This is like modern day mandingo fighting. They're sitting there, just probably throwing down bets on which one's gonna win.
1: They're like, "Fuck yeah, you guys should fight it out, 100 percent."
3: I mean, they really do. Even though it is too. Or Monk Eastman is a uh, Jew, I take
1: it. Well, he actually ran a Jewish gang, but he actually probably wasn't Jewish. It's real weird.
3: He I'm not going to try to get
1: too into it because we can him, of him like, independently.
3: Well, it don't matter because I was going to say to that is just two Italians, even though one's yeah. faking being Irish, just fighting each other for these rich white dudes' pleasures either way. Like, yeah, fight over that territory. We don't care. He looks like the Hulk
2: watch. if you took the green off of him. <laughs>
3: like yeah. He's just Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He looks like Elephant Man if he had a few surgeries to look better.
2: Elephant Man meets Jim
3: Thorpe. Mm. Or had a kid with Jim He's Thorpe. Manatee Man.
1: Paul Kelly beat the shit out of him in the early rounds, but like Monk Eastman's a beast. He was described as having like an a a ridiculous ability to absorb pain. And he was just Rocky, just mm-hmm. getting the shit kicked out, I'm just oh they're gonna go now. So they ended up boxing for two hours. Oh my God. That's insane. That's almost
3: as long as one of their (laughs) gunfights. That's insane.
1: Except that you can land punches.
3: And, like, I made the joke about not being sanctioned. Like, I don't know what the round keeping would be in these at all. Like, it could be straight just soccer rules. Like, there was no no, breaks.
2: It was two hours of (laughs) non-stop boxing. Holy fuck. I mean, I know it's a
3: different time, but. Well, and old school boxing. I mean, it's not quite the old school like abraham lincoln days but old school boxing was almost mma-ish where they included grappling and wrestling and shit with it i think at this point it was more straight boxing but it definitely wasn't just straight up punching like there was a lot more grappling all right paul kelly i'm going to tell you right now if you
2: bite his dick one more time you're not getting you know what i mean like (laughs) hey (laughs) bro
3: and then it goes on okay you got that kind of like
2: oh there's no um rabbit punching or whatever was probably not illegal back then so you got all that crap like you mentioned yeah. and then we're going to do it for 120 minutes straight no no intermissions no breaks no uh water bottles no ring girls no And monkey with
3: the chair
1: <laughs> so eventually neither of them could fight anymore and it was ended in a draw with both men having to be carried out of the ring
3: it is rocky it's him and creed yeah. like, oh,
2: like holy fuck that is crazy
3: so what happens with the neutral? Like you can't get any more neutral than that. We continue to wall over it. How did all those rich white dudes settle their bets?
1: Yeah. So the truce was immediately dropped and the war commenced. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> My
2: <laughs> joke was the. You know what, Fuck it. We're going us. back
3: to guns. We're going back to guns. It's
2: way easier. Way easier. You know what's better than a uh, two hour fucking boxing match? A four and a half hour gun battle. Let's do it.
3: It's crazy. They went through all that it's a, to it's, nothing.
2: The longest boxing oh. match known to man in 10,000 years of recorded history of man, the longest boxing match ever ended in no result. Like mm. it don't count because, uh, we just want to shoot fuck wars
1: it. back on fucking <laughs> yes, fuck what a
2: fucking monkfish face and fucking, uh,
3: Paul Kelly fucking think
2: about that Like
3: dude I mean we tried Can you guys think of another way to split it We tried fighting Now we're trying guns I mean I can't think
1: Mm. of another way That's that's the only logical progression (laughs) So in the end Everyone at Tammany Hall thinks it's a good idea for us to just shoot each other so Tammany Hall eventually decided, like, okay, well, Paul Kelly's got more money. Monkey Eastman, he's kind of he he served his purpose, but
3: well, Monk Eastman ain't got a dance hall. For so did sakes. Boss Tweed? Yeah. Boss Tweed just figures, like, yeah, we're better off. Our option, we're better off with our r- Paul Kelly. You see how this guy dresses? That guy is zazzy.
1: Monk Eastman got arrested for assault that he said he didn't commit,
2: and he probably didn't because
1: and he got the shit beat out of him when the cop by the cops when he got arrested. So the cops pulled up. Beat the fucking shit out of Monk Eastman and arrested him for some Rodney
3: Kingdom, and then... They were Irish cops. They think Paul Kelly's really Irish. They're like, don't pick on a good old boy.
1: Yeah, Tammany Hall basically said, well, we're going to go with Paul Kelly. Hey, cops, (laughs) give him the treatment. Let's send him up to Elmira or Sing Sing or whatever the fuck it is we're doing.
3: Yeah, they figured they'd settle in a horse race,
1: but now they got to pick which horse to back. They accused him of robbing a man that was being surveilled by the Pinkertons. So the Pinkertons were like, "Yeah, Monk Eastman did it. We seen them. We seen them. <laughs> I seen it." And if there's one thing we know about the Pinkertons is they don't they don't deal with no shady shit. No, they're, they're on the up and up. And up. up so they're not the be.
2: they're not the original FBI they're, before Hoover and them. Uh, like,
1: yeah. So the Pinkertons said, so it's got to be
3: they're just cool. not legalized
2: they're, mob. They're shit. not pay for play. Yeah. No, they're on the up and up.
1: Well, he was found guilty and sentenced to 10 years in Sing Sing, which essentially ended the war. There was a couple guys, um, the original Kid Twist, who's the guy that Abrellas was named after. Good
3: old Kid Twist.
1: But with minimal competition, the Five Points Gang over the next few years steadily just grew in all the rackets. Some of the notable members of the Five Points Gang were Frankie Yale, Lucky Luciano, Meyer Lansky, Bugsy Siegel, and Al Capone.
2: And by all means, if that's not the who's fucking who of fucking yeah, mob world
3: this guy's the nick fury that brought all the Avengers together
2: yeah
1: exactly all right well we're going to take a quick smoke break refill our drinks and we'll be back in a minute
4: tearing you down with me spit like a baron ruler's a bread like Kaiser. roll with the goal and get beaten like outsiders these amateur animals swing in the wrong jungle climbing the wrong vines mean these lions will snuff you concrete wilderness building our own structures writing our own order appointing our own judges overthrowing authority morally lack conscience fighting for survival with rivals with throat punches Court of Honor corroded as soon as it was awarded Some embraces were thwarted before they could be supported Rolling Thunder bombarded and flaming dart put apart in them Separate and disarm them and send the bulls to the parliament Operation Niagara, Viet Cong on the battle with Laying mines and grenades and flamethrowers to scatter them Dear mama, this battle is harder than what we thought it'd be Every part of me scarred, I'll be recognized when they murder me wow. Sky dropping, seven second death, scattering the children. Run, rubbing till there's nothing left. Ashes in the water, sons and daughters holding flags up high. Wallowing the harbor as the military tanks arrive, penetrate the border with disorder like an animal. Every war has the honor of turning kings into cannibals.
1: All right, we're back. So, when we left off, Paul Kelly had built a gang that had taken over most of uh, the Manhattan organized crime. Well, basically created organized crime because it wasn't a yeah. thing prior to that. He said, Regulators! He did He he did build the regulators of fucking gangsters and shit. Yeah, that's pretty dope. And that picture don't include Johnny Torrio because we talked about him separate. Because he was going to be on a different slide and I forgot. Or else he would have been on that one. So everything changed in 1908 when two of his top lieutenants, they decided they actually went to go to a a gang called the Gopher Gang, which was run by Oney Madden, who's the Irish guy in Hell's Kitchen.
3: Still think there should be a better name.
1: So 1908. Well, basically, it's just what always happens is there's no competition. Everything's going pretty smooth. You start getting your own guys that kind of want to start doing their own thing and they start growing and they start making their own moves. And uh, they attempted a hit on Paul Kelly. And they attacked him while he was sitting in the Brighton Athletic Club. Paul Kelly was drinking with two of his bodyguards. And uh, he fought back and it was a shootout. But he got shot three times. And his bodyguard got killed. So I don't know Damn. that. You could have did that without a shootout. Yeah. <laughs> they rushed him off to a private hospital to treat him. Because he was like uh, wanted as a suspect in the shootout and stuff. But they, they treated him at a private hospital. He got better. He turned himself in. But he was able to get himself off due to the political connections. But now Tammany Hall, they're trying to clean up the Bowery, and they're like, hey, we went with you because we don't want people getting shot up at the social club and shit.
3: See, that's what sucks. He made everything so laid back that all these violent motherfuckers got bored, essentially. He gets shot up. Then you have these guys like, hey, man, but what's with the shootout? Dickhead. Everything was cool. I just got shot out of nowhere. What are you talking about? The streets were good till I just got shot. <laughs> Your shootout was my shooting. <laughs> you go over to the guy that just got shot. Hey, man, what's with these shots? Don't bring this shit around here. <laughs> the one with the holes.
2: You think I wanted to get shot? It's yeah. the boss tweet thing. Like, we, uh, sorry, we got to cancel you. You got to go. Like, what? You chose me. You were better off with me, right? Yeah, that
1: was two weeks ago now. Yeah, that was pre gunfight, man. Oh, we don't know. like
3: that show. Well, I mean, that's classic sort of. How the system works. Politics, yeah, worked. I like, was going to say that's the original politics, system. Not only politics, corporations, just bureaucracies in a junk, like, they're just up at top, and they're like, listen, we don't care who got shot by who, what's going on, we don't want the shots. Let's solve this shit.
1: Stop with the shots. Most of his political connections turned his back, their back on him, and he was forced to close up the new Brighton Athletic Club, and he moved his operations to Italian Harlem. Damn,
3: they may not have killed him, but they took out his business. In
1: 1909... Johnny Torrio moved to Chicago to work with Big, jo- Big Jim wow. Colosimo. Which, that's the cool part of Johnny Torrio's story. But it's like the nail in the coffin of Paul Kelly's story. You know? Where he's like, fuck, man, come on, Johnny. Everything's
3: going so good, bro. That one's gotta hurt a little bit. But it is
1: cool in the continuous
2: story, though, because then Johnny T's goes through a whole other period that takes you right up until when Big Jim you know, leaves us, and then that starts a whole other... Like, they don't just connect back, like, the Kevin Bacon game, like, who was in this movie. Every This is, like, a book that reads from this point to we get all the way up into the 80s through that.
3: Now, before we go in, front, just so that I wrap my mind around it, I see that he just got weak almost. Things were just too good. He was in there singing and dancing. All these young up-and-comers came out there, and he just, he wasn't where he once was anymore.
2: Peacetime uh, did create some... Mm-hmm. Um, complacency like some uh you get too comfortable and you don't ever want to be in the car and like you said in business and politics and mobster shit you don't ever want to be too in the comfort zone like as a human we're designed to for that next challenge you reach plateaus and then it's like Mm. what's the next goal what's the next when you get to a certain level like there's no heaven on earth you know so there's no we've achieved it you're always trying to reach the next thing he kind of got to a level here in this story where it's like everything's fine. And it can be like that for a minute point. It can't be like that for two years. Mm. Then your guys start getting breed in their head. Like, Hey, let's make a move. I could be the guy or Hey, let's start back. a get a fucking shootout going old fashioned shootout.
1: Well, at some mm-hmm. point you get older and you're kind of done with the shootouts and shit. You're turning like-
2: into grandpa mode, like a sage. You're mm. leaving the warrior part of your life behind. Now you're turning to the older, like the sage. These young bucks are like, no, no, this is are we're, we're soldiers here.
3: The only reason why I was just thinking that is just because I was was like, man, everything was good. Then he gets shot at, and now everybody's jumping ship, everything's shitty. So just in my head, I was like, like, no, there's got to be more than that. And it really is just, it's not that he got shot was the turning point. It's that that was just another symptom of the problem of...
2: It brought light to the bigger problem. He
3: always played that game, that business game or whatever. And I think it just seems like all the real games, like... I was like fuck i'm gonna go to chicago and do more real gangster shit
1: and that kind of continued so frankie yale goes and starts running the brooklyn docks lucky luciano starts working for the morello family with you know joe the boss and uh all the all his top guys start going in different directions
2: when frankie yale does that is that when he gets like the harvard club or
1: yeah so they're still kind of five points guys
2: but they're heading into it's turning from that era the old cowboy top hat era to like the new almost like even though it's way back then our modern like our mob shit that we grew up on like it's turning into that the suit and tie and the
1: well here here's kind of what the problem is is his guys that used to be his soldiers they're now becoming like the lieutenants and stuff they're, they're starting to like build businesses but he's losing business he doesn't have a gang no more barely yeah. so they're like well i just do my own
2: thing aspiration wise. They don't want to work for old Sears Roebuck no more. When I'm about to start Arbor drugs or CVS, whatever it may be, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. You know, I'm going to start my own,
1: you know, you talk about the animal kingdom shit. The reason he was out in the streets, punching people in the face is animal kingdom shit. Well, the reason when he gets shot sitting with his homies, that's a weakness thing whether it is or it, it isn't is. that's what it reads as like oh you got caught slipping you're done and people are done with you i'm doing my own thing and and everybody everybody respected him so they didn't turn on him like that like fuck you it just kind of just slowly phased in their own direction and then on top of that through the 19 teens his his power slowly waned. like i said all those guys they went and work for like local mob operations and then the mob also started to move into these rackets where that that used to not be a thing there wasn't a whole lot of mafia. It was the Five Points Gangs. He ran that shit. Now you have all these, the mafias just taking shit all all over. You guys are leaving. And uh, Paul Kelly, basically, he, he used his social and political connections to make some union contacts. And he became the vice president of the International Longshoremen's Association. And by 1920, the Five Points Gang had completely dissolved.
2: Right. Because nineteen nineteen is your uh, famous the Black Sox scandal, Arnold Rothstein, all that. by then Torio, uh, young Luciano, all the, they were the younger coming uplings in that. So it's really not even at this point in the story, it's not like sad. like it is for him personally as a guy, like but it's not sad. He was an important part, but Paul Kelly going out here, like you definitely needed that old lion to die right here for the pride that now the movie's starting. He's an important part of that. This is like when you flash back in Godfather and see Vito Corleone as a child, like when he sees his mom get killed, all that. So this guy's very important. But now you're about to, in mob wise, like you're about to come up to the that's the golden age. Like as far as like, say, comic books, like from 20 to 65, like you're coming into the golden age of our American, our mob shit.
1: Well, when you look at the fact that at one point all these guys were in a street gang being led by Johnny Torrio, it's a pretty good gang, man. Fuck yeah. That's a fucking all-star team of gangsters. So his gang completely dissolves. As most of organized crime moves into bootlegging, Paul Kelly started earning a living as a union racketeer. Uh, sometimes he used to have to provide muscle in labor disputes. So when he was older, he used to have to go down and... uh fist fight on the docks with a longshoreman.
2: getting back to his roots kind of though like you know what
1: i mean you know yeah sometimes you gotta lead from the front right you gotta get out there well
3: technically provide muscle could mean recruit some dudes yeah like he's the business guy he's hiring
1: i don't know if i said this earlier but a lot of people say that him doing that him going out like on the front line and like getting in trouble and saying like well it's important that I do crime in this criminal organization, or else, he, or I'm not the boss, really. A lot of people say that that's kind of the origin of making your bones. There's kind of like a, like, well, come on, even Paul Kelly would go out there and punch a dude in a street fight if it came down <laughs> to it. He's up there in the in the club in a silk suit, but when the fight breaks out, he's down here punching people too. So yeah, you got you got, everybody's yeah. got to make their bones. Everybody's got to do their violence. Get this a little is, mud under them nails. In 1936, Paul Kelly died of natural causes at 59, which was normal in the 30s. Like, now yeah, 59 that's... would be young to die of natural causes. But back then, I was like.
2: Hey. Yeah, you were born in 1870s or whatever. Like, that's a good life. Long life. Especially for the he, type of field a, you chose to grow up in. A boxer, a mobster all, to live to 60.
1: Pretty good there.
3: He had a heart full of cold cuts. Plus, How about he, he had three fucking bullet wounds
1: in him boxed fucking dudes for hours. And that's only, like, the the off-the-book shit. That's not including the actual boxing boxing that he did as a professional. Yeah, it's real, like, why he had to... Which, you know, there were some wars there, too. Like, he made a shitload of money. He probably was out there scrapping. Paul Kelly did live long enough to watch his former protege Johnny Torrio, build the game plan that former five-pointer Lucky Luciano would eventually build into the National Crime Syndicate Commission that still exists today. He was just one step removed. Like, Johnny Torrio was the guy... He was the guy that taught Johnny Torrio.
2: Well, like I say, like really, and I think if they were here today, like your Johnny T's and Luciano would say, like without that guy paving the road with what he did, like bringing some of us together and and like the grand scheme of life meeting each other, he was definitely a cog in that wheel. He didn't get all the credit and shit, but like he was a forerunner to what what we know today, and that's pretty sweet.
1: We covered Giuseppe Morello already. And I think when you look at Lucky Luciano, like what he built as the mafia now, it was influenced by basically three people. It was Giuseppe Morello, Paul Kelly, and then Arnold Rothstein. So it was like those three guys that...
2: Mentor, made, mentorship. Like... They
1: made a super gangster. Yeah. <laughs> Like, they li- they really did.
2: Well, don't limit yourself by limiting it to, you got to be Italian or you can't hang out. If a guy can earn, he can earn. You know, we weren't as loose as, like, the outfit, but we weren't as, hey, everybody has to have a fat mustache and just be, like, these five dudes. Like, hey, we can have five families, but we could be a network. They became, like, a global corporation.
1: So that's the story of Paul Kelly. So
0: say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on last time you're going to see a bad guy like this
1: again, let me tell you. Now, you guys haven't seen a picture of Paul Kelly yet. But if we were going to cast a movie about Paul Kelly, who would you cast to play him? You want to shoot, Dan? <laughs> I don't know. Who's the smallest actor you know?
3: I mean, that's
2: true.
1: I mean,
3: it could be You don't anyone here. You don't who, have one lined up?
2: I'm just going to shoot mine, I'm and it, I don't really. have a, a long fucking explanation. I'm just going Adrian Brody little in stature got the nose the dark hair the dark eyes i'm just guessing he would probably fit
1: yeah i guess yeah. he's not sure but you you're not yeah, gonna come like up a with five all
3: linky guy
1: right but you're not gonna come up with five two anyway so you just tell the story plus you that's a small and he's part not of super the too tall it's, hugh jackman plays wolverine man yeah, yeah it's not,
3: not a I mean? big he part two of the story sure. too i mean although there were a couple david and goliath
1: fights but you could still come up with a big dude. Yeah, now that's what I'm put, saying. it's scrawny part enough of the that sword. you fucking... And where he's he's tall and skinny, he's not Machine Gun Kelly tall.
3: Yeah. Shit, I don't I'd be really almost... Anyway, I can't think of someone who can't play him.
1: You can't think of someone who can't?
3: Yeah. Name someone. I bet you they could play him. Liam Neeson. Oh, I can see Liam Neeson playing this guy. So you can't record it's Morgan Freeman Morgan or something. Freeman. <laughs> you picked a guy that couldn't play
1: <laughs> That's how good I am at this game. Fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> Liam Neeson. That's my <laughs> bad. Liam Neeson is who Paul Kelly tried to pretend to be. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm, mm. I'm Liam Neeson. Hey, you know, I got this Irish accent.
3: I mean, really? I can't. I got the particular set down. of skis. I can I can see a lot of people.
2: Well, the, take the boxing part when he was the banter. Wait, like, somebody that's 135 well, that's pounds. that's what
3: I'm saying. Like, there's not really much of an actor who ain't in shape who can't play a boxer. Well, you don't look Italian but the, kid that,
2: the kid that played Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah,
3: could. He don't look yeah. Italian. Oh, Tom, Tom Holland.
2: Holland. Yeah.
1: yeah. Ooh, you know what? Andrew Garfield. I know who I'm going with. I think his name's Finn something.
3: From the Sopranos? From Stranger Things? From Star
1: Wars? The Stormtrooper? Yep. John Boyega? Okay. So his name is Finn Cole, is the actor's name. He's in a show I watch called Animal Kingdom. He also played in the new Fast and Furious that had John Cena in it. He was John Cena in the flashbacks.
2: A young Vin Diesel's brother?
1: Yes. He was young John Cena as Vin Diesel's brother. Nice. (laughs) That actor, Finn Cole.
3: I bet you that exact quote is on his resume.
1: All right. Let's get to this pick.
3: As soon as you show the picture, they'll be like, oh, this guy, one hell of a nose on him. Oh, you know who could play him? And I feel bad because we just shit all over his nose and this dude doesn't have like a crazy nose or nothing. But um, the kid kind of he's in his early 20s from uh, Ready Player One or he played Young
1: Cyclops. Oh, yeah. Young
3: Cyclops in the newer. I think it's Ty Sheridan.
1: Yeah, it's Ty Sheridan. All right. So now we got to do the DEF CON scale. So standard DEFCON scale is 5 to 1, 5 being the lowest, 1 being the highest. But in the Bad Guy podcast, there's no good guys. So 5 would be Lee Murray, who's your drug-dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. And at 1, you got the Purple Gang, who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and they're killing people on the street. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Paul Kelly?
3: I'm going to go with the old quattro, number 4. I mean, a part of me wants to go with 3. Because he is almost the standard for organized crime. What became the Mafia kind of, well, the next generation. Mm-hmm. He was Picard in a way. In that same way, he seemed to be way more business minded. He seemed to, I mean, he got out there and got scrappy, but he wasn't too crazy with it. He didn't have that bad guy. want to kill people to put him towards the top or nothing. I, I kind of want to go Three when I put him up against other threes. I don't know if he's as violent as those other ones, but he is definitely the archetype of what a modern gangster became. So I almost wanted to do a three, but I'm going to go with four because of his lack of just overall bad guyness in general.
2: What do you think? I got a little more leaning personally, like I would lean more towards the three, but I got to give him a four just because the... <laughs>
3: Because of my persuasive argument. Well, no,
2: because like we all mentioned, like, okay, yeah, he was a precursor to what became the Modern Mob, but this Paul, to be fair to how we do the DEF CON, Paul Kelly really was reserved. He would get out there and fight, but it was more physical, like uh, actual fist fight because of his boxing. And not that he wouldn't dig a fucking hole. I'm sure it wasn't his first fucking hole, but he had a calmer, cooler head. So I, I, that would lean me just out of, I'm going towards a three, but it kind of makes me... To step a foot back to put it at the four. Now, because people that he rubs shoulders with, fuck, man, you can get into some zeros that go a little bit beyond one, (laughs) but not him. If we're doing this episode as Paul Kelly, not who he rubs shoulders with, I got to go four. Final answer.
1: I get on the leaning part. I'm with you, but you were leaning between a four and a three. I was leaning more between a four and a five. I was I thinking, could even see that.
2: I could see. That. I think
3: he was responsible for too much violence and shit to warrant. Yeah, a five. the rubbing of the shoulders I is mean. the only
2: that way. I could see your argument too. Like I could almost agree with a five.
1: Yeah. Right, but you can only you you are right though. You can only associate with so much stuff before you're responsible for some of it.
3: It's also too. It it sounds bad because. Once again, this is one of those weird things in this podcast where the more of a bad guy you are, the more better it is. More So I just feel like this guy needs to be up there higher. Just in terms of respect, because he like built the shit. But yeah, I almost could be swayed to like be between a four and a five.
2: So he's rolling in his grave like you
3: motherfucker. I mean, man, I started <laughs> well, it all kinda. I was fist fighting goddamn monk
1: Eastman for two hours. For
2: two and a half
3: hours we had a boxing match. But see, and it didn't count. That to <laughs> me was almost more honorable. That right. was straight up there was Jon Snow and a Ramsey.
1: Like just hey, why well, don't us two just fight? Alright. So uh Yeah, I was maybe leaning towards a five, but I was a four or five. But either way, that'll make him a DefCon four.
2: They're moving in. I say we go to DefCon four. Pretty unanimous.
1: What is the sound drop for the four? Uh, Christopher. Yeah, yeah. Christopher. So the same uh, one, the same one where he says, "Say hello to my little friend." He says, "I say we go to DefCon 4.
3: I said we go to DefCon four,
1: (laughs) which is so funny. Like, he doesn't even know what that means. He's just picking a random number. Thanks, Christopher. That's Christopher in a nutshell right there, that line.
3: <laughs> it goes towards the early Iraq uh, war days where, like, you know what? Set the color code to
1: orange today. <laughs> like, what's orange? I don't know. Do you know what orange is? I don't know. It sounds, it sounds it, serious.
2: You're on to something would be sweet because in the Sopranos, they'd probably, if they talked about the DEF CON, like, what's that? i never seen the movie War Games. Like, why are you rattling DEF CONs and you don't even know what the fuck they are? Like, why can't all these conflicts here?
1: Yeah. So Christopher's in every episode, but on the fours, he gets dose drops. <laughs> oh.
3: We call those Chris episodes.
1: Christopher. So there's a lot when he goes to get made. It's something I say to my wife all the fucking time. He's going to get made, and he's about to walk out the door. And she looks at him, and she says, Christopher, I love you so much. And he says, you better. You better. You better. <laughs> I fucking...
3: We have androids going off.
1: DJ3PO.
3: What Mm -hmm. if you pick that paper up and you read it and it just says, you better. You better write back.
1: She's printing fucking shipping labels in the middle of a podcast. (laughs) I'm talking about how, yeah, I'm going to be all gangster teller. You better. (laughs) She's like, I'm going to ruin your podcast with my printing. All right. You guys got anything?
3: Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming.
1: I say that. Thanks for coming <laughs> Thanks
3: for listening No, no, you guys, seriously thanks No, for, for real For real But thanks <laughs> I mean, listening, that's cool yeah. But you coming, thanks exactly. from, That's from J-Bone personally, yeah. thank you Yeah, say hello to the bad guy
0: Bad guy Good guy coming last place. Smell that last, dope last, when I pass by. Don't don't I make my money at a fast oh, pace. Say, last, say, last, say last, hello last, to the bad guy. Bad guy the good guy coming last place. Smell that dope last, when I pass by. I'm bad, my mama had to be dad. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. Man. Hey, man. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Ayy, hey. hey. So out of money grabbed a hundred hams. Out so of money, grabbed a bunch of <coughs> And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the missiles. So fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental, ay. And I still keep it on me. Run and tell your big homie. First you meet your dead homie, Ayy. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last, last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I like my money at a fast pass. Yes. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. I just did the dashway in the fast lane Let my money at a fast pace, look like I Drag Race Control re in my ashtray, I'm in my bag yeah. Good girl, bad face, slim no waist and her ass fake yeah. And she in love with the bad guy yeah. But bad bitches never act right yeah. She act up until that backfly fly Did her turn around at one night yeah. Say hello to the bad guy yeah good guy, come at last place You smell that dope when I pass by I let my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy Good guy, come last place You smell that dope when I pass by I I let my money at a fast pace